again in the soccer OG. That's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 37. And as I always tell you, please download, share, rate, and review the podcast so we can grow. And folks, it is growing, I'm excited to say. I am joining you. Remember I do the in-stadium tours? I am joining you from SoFi Stadium here in Inglewood, California. And folks, I have seen the light. This is, everyone says how amazing this place is. They don't do it justice. I, I cannot believe what I'm looking at. It is, I'm here with my son, Max. You want to say hello really quick? No. Say hello, it's my podcast. Hello. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's overwhelmed by this Rams-Lions game. Uh, needless to say, we, were at, we did a tour at Dignity Health Sports Park. Oh, the Lions doing well. We did one certainly at Bank of California. We did it at Allegiant Stadium. But SoFi is incredible. It has a $5 billion price tag. It has 300 acres of space here. And it is built in an engineering capacity where everything goes up. There's not a bad seat here. But it's like looking at a painting. I know I can't paint that picture that great, but it really is something to behold. We have a great show. I want to do the opening segment here, but I'll do the rest of the show from my uh, secret cove, unmarked bunker. Jenny Chu of CBS Sports is going to join us. She does an incredible job, and we're going to talk about the sport. We're going to talk about all the incredible Derby Clasicos this weekend. We'll talk about being Latino, in particular, a Latina woman in this business, because it's an uphill climb, and very proud to see the progress she has done. Uh, so if I say what else can I tell you? We'll also have a little stoppage time and we'll put a bow on what we saw this weekend. We'll get you ready for USA Mexico. I have a lot of great stuff on tap coming here in the days, weeks ahead. Oh, oh, oh. Can you hear this place? It's amazing. You know what? I, I didn't like going to NFL games back in the day because the stoppages and you would have breaks and you would be okay. It's another TV timeout. I'm waiting here twiddling my thumbs. There's so much stimulation here. You don't even notice that there's a timeout. It's, it's really hard to watch the game, quite frankly. And as, as you can imagine here in Los Angeles, a lot of people watching. Go to my Twitter and my Instagram. I'm gonna post a photo of who I'm sitting next to. I got, I got a good hookup here for this one. I got a good hookup. But Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What's up? I'm living large. So I wanna thank Ken Kalopsis who allowed this, opened up his, his is sweet for me so I can come here. He invited me, I go, yes, when and where, I'll be there. So, uh, perks to the job. But the soccer OGs, I'll be back in a more quiet situation to bring you Jenny Chu. We'll have a good we'll have a good football conversation. And I'll keep going to the stadiums. Oh, this is what I was gonna tell you. I have some intel. We know the World Cup is coming to 2026, but this is the place that they are identifying where they wanna have the World Cup final. Remember last time the World Cup was here in 1994? Was it 94? Yeah. It was uh, at, the at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. I would be stunned if it's not here because this place is another level. And uh, book your tickets now. I hope I'm going to be here for that. I really hope covering this sport. So I have a good feeling this is where it's going to be. And the rest of the world is going to crap themselves when they see the USA playing the French here at SoFi Stadium. Soccer OG, subscribe, rate, review, share. We'll be back with The Business End.
All right, I'm back home. Uh, Rams won, in case you were wondering. I had to leave a little earlier because there's like 80,000 people there and I would have been stuck in traffic. I don't live far from Inglewood. I'm in Redondo Beach, but it felt far. Ubered in, Ubered out because I ain't paying for $80 worth of parking. I'll tell you that much. That's what it was. What an experience, though. Can't wait to go there again. And as I said, I don't know if you heard it, but if the 2026 World Cup final is not in that stadium, we riot. I don't know where. I don't know why, but we'll do that. Stick around in the business end. We won't have stoppage time. I'll kind of have stoppage time in here to talk about all the Derby games, rivalry, classical games that we had this weekend. We also have um, a few things to discuss with regards to the U.S. men's national team. And Jenny Chu is coming up as well. Uh, you works for CBS Sports, rock star right there. And she's going to talk about covering the team. Also, she's from the same hometown as Ricardo Pepe and just being Latino and or Latina in this case and covering it here. We're so underrepresented, but we just want to be included with everyone. And there's some huge advantages of hiring Latino. So if you're in business and you're listening to this podcast, hire Latino. Okay? It's worth it. You'll be better off because of it. Um, so let's talk about the this weekend. And I, I got to send a memo out to all the European leagues and make sure they don't have all of this rivalry games at the same time because I can't watch it, especially if I'm going to an NFL game. Can't watch all of them. But I did watch a lot. And there was the Derby d'Italia, Inter Juventus. There was the Clásico, Barcelona, Real Madrid. There was the 202nd meeting between Manchester United and Liverpool. There was the Classique, which is the best name for a rivalry between Marseille and PSG. There was West Ham Tottenham. <laughs> West Ham, my West Ham hammers in fourth place after beating Spurs. It's a good feeling. We'll stay in England, and, and we'll talk about the situation with Manchester United, and I've always defended them, and I've defended Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but, but he, this, by the time you're listening to this, his tenure is probably over. He can't survive this because he's lost the team. Uh, they just That was just bizarre. It was hard to watch. Uh, completely outplayed. And granted, Liverpool's the best team on the planet now. I don't think there's any debate. Maybe Bayern. But we can't really judge Bayern because of the uh, the quality of that league. But Liverpool's the best. And they're you know the Premier League is the best. They've got the best teams. We saw that with two teams making the Champions League final. And I think that's moved on. By the way, Liverpool, you know, not making any transfers, playing with the same guys. What an incredible story. I mean, they, they have a huge payroll. They've spent a lot of money on transfers prior to this season. But they did not change the the look of the club whatsoever. And they are on an incredible trajectory where they could be the favorites to win the Premier League as well as win the Champions League. So uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I've defended him a lot. But this is the end for him. It's not his fault Manchester United are in this situation. They've missed the spot with their transfers. The Jaden Sancho's transfer at the top of the list has just not gone well at all. Uh, Ronaldo has, but there are some challenges in having a player like that. Uh, we've moved away, and this is their ex- exact opposite of Liverpool, even though Mohamed Salah is a, is a superstar. You're moving away from this, this hero uh, worship uh, in the game. It doesn't really work. So... Yes, he's going to bail you out a lot, but how does he fit? He can't play out wide. He's got to play one position, and it's a very congested position. There are a lot of young players trying to make uh, a, a name for themselves, and that is more difficult when you have Cristiano Ronaldo there. And we're talking about Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood. 
um, Sancho. Uh, the defense has been a complete catastrophe. Uh, Harry Maguire makes a massive mistake every time. And the engine room, we don't know what to do with it. Paul Pogba got a red card. Obviously, I'm a big Paul Pogba fan. But uh, there's issues there. And I was I was under the impression that they would have worked them out ahead of the season. But it hasn't worked. They look better last season than they have this year. So there's that. But uh, the manager, and there has to be a change. But a lot of people have to be held accountable for the situation because it's just um, it's. It's a systematic meltdown across the board with them being unable to to play they want they want want to want to play the way they want to. They don't have a style. Everyone else has a determined style. They don't have that fiery manager. Whether you like it or not, Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp have a way, and they they strike a tone with their team. Thomas Tuchel as well that uh, is required, and they need a guy like that. Who it is, I don't know. It's going to be an interim guy, and then it's going to be eventually someone they pursue. There's not great candidates out there, but uh, this is the step, and I think Manchester United fans have to be patient. But that was ugly, man. That was really just an ugly, ugly turn of events, series of events. So I don't want to dwell on it too much. I do want to talk about Barcelona-Real Madrid. I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was a, a refreshing change. Obviously, Barcelona fans are upset. If they won that game, they'd be right there amongst the top teams. Patience. There's a big transition going on. You can't expect with the financial issues you had and the mess, messy leaving that it was going to be easy. You have to accept that this year is going to be very difficult. I think they're going to get better as the year goes on. I think there's signs of that. I mean, they have good players. And they have some good young players coming through the ranks. Now, Cunaguero's uh, up there. So, this is a season that's going to be a wash. But they want to compete. I think they'll get there. I think they'll finish in the top four in Spain. Champions League is in peril because of the start that they've had. But that's fine. And you had to part ways with Messi, if not this year. Uh, maybe a year earlier. So, what do you go from? Everyone's got to take a step back. Ronald Koeman's not going to lose. You, you get rid of Ronald Koeman, where do you go there? You're not going to get a better guy. This is not a job anyone wants right now. It just requires time. Develop the players. Uh, Serginho Des getting crushed because he missed that chance in the first half. And he, sh- he should be crushed because that was a, a sitter. But I thought he, he had a good game. On a weekend where U.S. men's national team players really struggled was not a good weekend, and I'm keeping tabs of this. And check out the Soccer OG on my YouTube, Max Bretos, where I will break down the five biggest concerns, the five biggest questions around the U.S. men's national team heading towards November, where they play Mexico and they play Jamaica in two World Cup qualifiers. The burning questions, and one of them is, uh, who's going to step up? Strikers is is a huge dilemma. Guys aren't playing all of a sudden. So, Serginho Dest and by Conrad de la Fuente got on the Classique for Marseille. That's good news in a weekend which had very little good news for U.S. internationals abroad and in Major League Soccer. But Serginho Dest was active. He assisted on the Kun Aguero goal. So, I think there's a, a possibility where uh, this grows into it. Real Madrid, too. Remember, they had to part ways with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. All these folks that keep looking at Barcelona Real Madrid as Messi, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo. It had to end, and it's good that it's ended. These players are moving on. Neither are, are really I mean, overwhelmingly 
excellent. Uh, more Ronaldo in that case because of the team that he's playing for. Messi's not doing much. He's not he's scored in, in French League yet. But then had to move on. Things have to change. But Barcelona and Real Madrid are still massive brands and are going to uh, are going to get back out of here after some point. So with regards to that, um, patience for Barcelona and Real Madrid, they're going to get there. Real Madrid's going to have a good year. But the, the chances of them being really good ahead will be even better. Um, how about Vinicius? Vinicius is a superstar. You have Rodrigo, who many people say is better than Vinicius. So there's something to keep an eye on. And then you have possibly Kylian Mbappe coming here in the not-too-distant future. Real Madrid's going to be a fun watch. This is the year you've got to just wait. Okay, so everyone's going, oh, it doesn't mean... And, and diminishing this game. Don't do that. This is one year. It's going to be the biggest rivalry or one of the biggest rivalries moving forward in the years ahead. So enough of the hate for Serginho Des. Enough of the hate for this rivalry. I enjoyed it. It was a good game. It was entertaining. The place was packed. Remember, Spanish stadiums haven't really got the attendances back, and now they did. So I celebrate that as well. I love PSG and Marseille because I love watching games at the Velodrome. So I soaked it all in as much as I can. And I think we talked about the U.S. men's national team as well. We'll have much more on the YouTube page about the YouTube channel about that. But let's get into it. The Soccer OG, the business end with Jenny Chu coming up next. Thank you for the support. Rate, review, download, subscribe. We're back here on the Soccer OG and uh, thrilled to welcome in our next guest, Jenny Chu covering CBS Sports, covering the national team, covering, I mean, you're covering everything really. And CBS is continuing to brand out their portfolio. And as a, a fan of the sport, I get very excited when I see networks and just new areas that are investing in the sport that are interesting because it's good for all of us. It's good. It's good to expand the brand. So Jenny Chu joining us. How's life been for you? This is this has had to have been pretty crazy to uh, joining CBS. And now you're doing reports from Panama. And where were you in El Salvador? You've been traveling with the team everywhere. No, I have been everywhere. Um, I just celebrated my like one year since my debut with CBS. And I was trying to track like where all I have been in this year. And it's been crazy. You know, I covered Champions League right off the bat, which was wild. And now I'm covering uh, the U.S. men's national team on the road, getting to talk about the Mexican national team, which I love and I grew up watching. So it's been a wild ride. And, and I think that what you said about networks shifting their focus to soccer in America is huge. CBS making the big push for soccer has excited me so much because you know this better than anyone. Like you've been in this business for so long for people to finally be paying attention for networks to put money into the sport. All that does is grow the sport. And that's what we've all been pushing for all these years. Yeah. And I see CBS doing it. I was like watching and they have Aaron West out in Venice, walking the streets talking. And I'm like, I mean, these are like proper productions. And they, uh, I mean, this, this comes with a dollar sign attached. So if they're really into it and, it's 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 wonderful to see that, and it's it it creates competition because everyone wants a piece of the the soccer pie, and there's less slices around. But we'll see because I know I've been reading about this Premier League broadcast rights coming up, and it's 
bananas. Someone said I was reading this Felipe Cardenas article and they said it could be and it might be a 10 year deal worth three billion dollars. And I'm like, wow. So it's going to be a feeding frenzy. You have MLS coming up. You have the Premier League, Spain. I mean, it's it's crazy. I'll say this, Jenny. Not that many people in this country are watching this, watching this sport to warrant three billion dollars. But if someone's willing to pay it, by all means, get in there. Just well, save some money for the talent. If you're, <laughs> I agree with that part. But if you're saying a ten-year deal, um, if whatever happens after the World Cup, that that's in the United States, and there's going to be a boom. Like I remember growing up watching the big events, you know, the ones that were on local television, like the Olympics and uh, the World Cup. So after a World Cup, you're going to generate interest. You're going to generate new eyes. And maybe that's where the money pays off. You know, I'm not saying three billion dollars worth. Like (laughs) that's a bit of a huge number. But, you know, I I can see post-World Cup, this sport is going to be a bigger topic in this country. I, I guarantee it. I want to ask you about that, but I don't want to date myself, but I always do on this, on my podcast. Cause I'm old. <laughs> I mean, but, it's called the OG. That's gotta mean like some oh, dating. It was either to be called the soccer OG or get off my yard when, and I decided with the former. So there you have it. <laughs> well, we, we had the premier league. This was like 1998 at Fox and our broadcast, the uh, rights fees for the TV part was $1 million for a year. $1 million. Not to say that's a small amount of money. I mean, but it was pretty significant. And then they had the radio rights and they were basically given away. And a colleague of mine, actually, he didn't put them over the air, but he had the rights for the Premier League. He owned the rights for one year and he just had them and he paid nothing for it. And it never made the air. But he said, they're mine. I go, what a wonderful thing to say. And now that is worth who knows. I, it just exploded. It's crazy. How is radio doing? I, I, I don't know. Like I've watched, I mean, I've listened to games on radio just because it gives a different perspective and it, it's a good learning process for me. I'm so new to this, you know, being on this side of things, I'm very much still in the learning process. So I heard listening to radio, listening to games on radio is like the best way to learn because it's different. You know, how, how is radio doing right now? I don't know. I, I can't listen to it on radio. It's hard. It's uh. <laughs> It's good. I mean, obviously, if you're in your car, you know what I've been doing? I shouldn't admit this. Like, I really shouldn't. But even the Champions League, I'm driving around work and I have my headphones on and I have my phone on with the game on and I, I take peeks down by the mm-hmm. console. I know yeah, it's terrible. I even if I did it, I wouldn't admit it on the, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She's done it. She's done it before. She won't admit it. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What do you think the United stand? We we obviously can't know, but just what your gut might say, because you've you've played, you played for the Mexican national team, you've you've played growing up, now you cover the sport. But what do you think it's gonna look like after the 2026 World Cup with hopefully some success from the US? I get the impression it might, you know, I just want it to be in the bloodstream where everyone kind of talks about it. I know it may not get to that point, but I think it might get close. No, I, I think I think we can get to that point where people gave it a chance. You know, I think that we're so behind in the sense that people talk so negatively about football here in America or soccer here in America, that if we can undo that negativity that exists for no reason, no good reason, um, we're taking huge strides because anybody that watches a game or goes to a game will be converted. I'm, I'm, I guarantee that if you give it a chance, you understand the beauty of it. You know, um, like I had a man United fan today I was talking to and Obviously, they got hammered today. And he was like, I'm not even mad. This is beautiful football. Like, if you just 
appreciate the art if you just go. Who's talking about Liverpool, watching them? Yes, yes. Sorry, <laughs> obviously not many, but um, I don't know if you can appreciate the art. If you're open-minded to it, I guarantee this is a sport that you can like. You know, it's. I have a hard time trusting people that don't like football. Like, if you I love it, good yeah, answer. I'm like, oh, you don't like soccer? I don't. I probably don't like you. Like, <laughs> we got heat. What's going on? You know what I've heard from a lot of folks that are very um, hesitant to give soccer a chance, football a chance, mm -hmm. is the way we cover it. We're a little bit uh, obtuse or aggressive, and they always go, soccer guy always is telling me you're crazy for you don't like it. They're kind of like lecturing them on on the sport and i thought about that i actually spoke scott van pelt who obviously one of the when i was at espn i mentioned that he goes he goes it bugs me because they're, they're pushing this agenda i i'm willing to watch it but i don't want to be told this told that and i kind of thought about it and we do do that so maybe it's different in the way where we cover it maybe a little more inclusive which i love the way folks like you and many others do it because you are inclusive it's it's almost like we're we're above you because we like soccer and i go we got to get rid of that if that's the case i don't know if that'll be the entry point but maybe it's worth a try i i find that more in in european football yeah. if, if that makes sense like I, I find almost like belittling sometimes towards me as an american uh -huh. uh, talking <laughs> about the sport i find them like today i saw a tweet and i sent it to my brother i was like what the heck um one of the tweets was like if you say roster i don't trust you as an analyst or whatever i'm like What's wrong with roster? Get you can't lost. say roster. Like you have, you have to say like squad list or some, something crazy like that. I saw the tweet and I was just like, your elitist mentality there is just like so off-putting. You know, like we have different terminology here. What's wrong with you know? I don't know. Just being more inclusive, more accepting. I think that you, that you have a point there. You know, that's a good pivot because uh, we have to have an American presentation that we're on board with because this is a global sport. And I, I know exactly what you mean when I was I have conversations and people would go, uh, I'd start using word zero or, or scoreless instead of nil because I go, I just doesn't feel right for me to say it or to say pitch because it's just not I, I don't know, I wouldn't use it. And then they go, well, that's the right word. And I go, well, it's the right way to say it. If you're in England, I just think there's a way it, it doesn't sound right when if I go, hey, the players are taking the pitch. It's nil nil here. It. Uh, <laughs> Exploria Stadium in Orlando, blah, blah, blah. And there's there's things that I think we have to do to make it our own. But it, you're so right when people push back and not only not even to mention the fact where they'll say there's an authentic voice to it. There, we want the authentic voice, whatever that means. I've had those issues kind of coming through it, but I'm welcome. I'm, I'm I want to see us kind of narrate it as Americans the way we do it, take ownership of it. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I want to I look in South America, they have their own terminologies. I love the word football. It's basically football, obviously, mm -hmm. but they have their terminologies and they make it their own. Now, granted, we have the same language as the, the folks in England. It's their language, but there's things that we could do. And I think with going back to presenting it, I, I, I think if Joe Public, who might want to watch a game, but hasn't decided if it doesn't sound authentic to him he may not do it he might go pitch well yeah i don't know but i don't know how we do that but i'd like to think we can get closer to that point 
I think we used to have this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're, you've been in this way longer, you have more experience, but we had this idea that like football was sophisticated and it had to have an English um, accent, you know, for it to be almost legit. And I think we're kind of moving away from that of like, okay, an American voice matters too. And, you know, even CBS bringing a few American voices on in, in um, Aaron West and Nico and I, it was important to have an American viewpoint as well, because that's who you're, you're broadcasting to. But yes, you have the European voices, you have those accents. And I think that before we thought that it had to be broadcasted by those accents primarily for it to be almost legit, almost to be beautiful. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I think that we all have our own flavor. You know, you speak Spanish, so you can listen to football in Spanish. I think it's beautiful in Spanish and you don't have to have an accent. It's just, it's different. And, and what you're saying about like, what will be the, re- like, what will it be in America? We should create it ourselves. I, I love that. I love that. Right it's on. Shifting. We're on the, we're on the same wavelength, Jenny. Oh, here's what I said at LAFC. I, I, all the guys have nicknames because we have three Ecuadorian guys. We have four Colombians. So instead of saying their last name, because the name on the shirt would be Chicho or Sifu or Pancho. So I <laughs> yeah. say that. And this guy just kept tweeting me. He goes, please stop that. I go, it's on the back. Of their shirt. I'm not trying to be cute. It's just that's he's Pancho. We don't call him Janela. We call him Pancho. So I, you know, it's it's I find it so interesting how the lines get blurred, but we'll certainly get there. I did want to talk to you about what the CBS uh, hiring and they went with a lot of Latinos. And I've always, you know, I've always looked how Latinos haven't really gotten a fair shake. So you mentioned Nico yourself, Luis Miguel, who's Peruvian and young Latino voices, because first and foremost, the biggest audience we have here is the Spanish speaking and they watch the sport in their native tongue. But I've talked to a lot of, uh, because a lot of, bilingual folks in the United States, they like having the option where they could watch it in English or Spanish. And maybe they feel like having the Spanish narration, but maybe they want something different. And I think what they've wanted to is just to be included. And I I find that's interesting that, you know, having a, having the goal show and the, the Golasso show where it's, 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 it's an experimental approach, but it's, I I believe it's there to kind of have those uh, those bilingual Americans reach out and say, hey, you're welcome here if you want to see it. You'll have the English speaking audience, but there's a dollar sign attached to that, too, because that's a huge audience. We know about League MX and all that. They watch it in numbers and we're trying to build an audience. You know, maybe why not pick off some of the Spanish speaking folks and let them come over here. But I think it's great what they've done there. And it's it's been cool to see you guys get that voice and. I will I'll I'll elaborate on why it's important, but it's at this at this point in time, I think it's it's valuable in many different ways, including getting a bigger audience. Yes, I think that, you know, I've spoken to to my boss who you know brought brought us on and, and picked talent and was a huge part of that stuff um, about why, you know, like there's not always executives that care about that aspect, you know, of making sure that we're all represented. And he said, it's not about you guys as much as it is about representing the audience. Like um, what you see on your television and the producers that are behind the scenes should look like and sound like and have the opinions of the people that are the audience. And the audience is not, to be frank, like, you know, middle-class 
all white. Like it's just not, that's, that's not the America that we live in. And that's not the football fans that we're broadcasting to. So that's why it's important to have all of us represented. And I think that it's not to take away from that, that, you know, ideal that potentially many across television for many years thought that that's where you're aiming your, your viewers at, you know, not just in football, in soccer, you know, just that, that was what you thought was what you make your product for. Your product is not necessarily for that anymore. It's for everyone. And to do that, you know, you have different voices. I think, you know, on the Golazo show, Luis Miguel, we were both on it together, does such a great job of using the flavor of being Latino um, and then welcoming in everyone else. You know, he has that England exactly. uh, yeah. background, but he he welcomes in everybody. And, and I love, 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 love listening to that because it feels welcoming, you know? It doesn't feel fake. Right. And it, but you're including every part of the audience. So you're not having like inside jokes with like a Latino audience going, hey, that's you know, saying something that's going to exclude somebody. It's important to have all of them. So it's a it's a very it's a very delicate step you have to take to make sure that you can pull it off. It's a hard job, but every, mm-hmm. I, I see you guys doing it and it's it's endearing and it's also serving the audience very well. And I'll give you another example of why representation is so big and something you did and something I do. I, when I was at ESPN, Yasiel Puig, the Cuban baseball player, he was a sensation. Everyone was talking about it. And then because he didn't speak any English, we just talked about him. We made you know assumptions about what his life was like, this, that, and the other. I went into my boss's office and I said, look, why don't we get him on? I'll interview him. I'll do the translation. And we can do it. So I went in, we did the show, he was there, and it was this weird, mysterious kind of magical moment where I'm like, we're finally getting to hear in his words what it's all about, coming to the United States, being this sensation with the Dodgers, what was it like to come from Cuba and do that? And we're hearing it from him. And then you did something with Orlando, and I forgot the, the player, but you translated after a very big moment what was happening. And We never heard from these players and covering soccer in this, especially MLS, where half Mm -hmm. of the folks just speak Spanish. You're you are surrendering an opportunity to talk. You want to hear from the players. You got to have access. But if you don't have folks who speak the language, you're not going to hear their stories. And the English speaking audience wants to hear those stories. And I realized that that day at ESPN, they want to know about who. Let's just say. Um. Let's say Carlos Vela doesn't speak English and he wins the MLS Cup and we don't have the access to interview him because we don't have someone who can interview him on the sideline. That's a huge miss. And the audience wants to hear what, what was going through your mind. The same questions we asked to an English speaking uh, soccer player to do that is invaluable. And we've missed the boat. So I, I credit you for doing what you did and opening the door to do that and demanding that if there are players that don't speak English, we still have access to them because I hate it. I hate it when we, we they, they breeze over it and say, well, he doesn't speak English. So we'll talk to this guy instead. So we, that's got, that's got to be in the past. It's easier for them. You know, it's, it's, it's taking the easy way out and it's not being willing to take risks. And I won't take complete credit there thinking like, you know, I'm this, Oh, let's do this. And let's take this risk. It's, it's everybody understanding that those are the star players typically, you know, like the Spanish speaking players, completely being overlooked is such a hit on MLS itself, you know? Um, 
if we could, we have MLS in Espanol, you know, and it doesn't get enough views, to be honest. Like, I, I think they do great work in giving a voice to the Spanish speakers. I don't think there's enough viewers. I don't think there's enough um, people paying attention there. But when I worked, you know, I worked at two different MLS clubs. There wasn't other people on staff that could speak Spanish. So even if you wanted to bring light to their stories and stuff, sometimes it wasn't even an option. And that's tough because those players understand that. They feel overlooked. They feel like they're not as important. And the fan base never gets to know them. And they have such interesting stories. I mean, you know, I did a ton of uh, features when I worked with Orlando City and, and they never got to air because we obviously like don't work together anymore. But I got to know those players. Huge. And That's I enormous. And I promise you that the fans should see that side of the players. You know, there was one player who told me about, um, gosh, I don't want to use the wrong term because in every culture it's different, but grilling, you know, how, how yeah. important that is in culture with his dad and getting past like the grilling on steak, like on the asada. Yeah. Okay. Like, parrilla, yeah. Having an asada, like everyone has like a different terminology there. Parrilla, asada. <laughs> when it, like getting that baton passed down from your dad to, for you to now host that was such a big deal. And that's something that culturally, maybe, maybe Americans or certain cultures, Asians, whatever it may be that are unfamiliar with that exact reincarnation of a barbecue wouldn't know, but that's so beautiful. That moment meant everything to him to make his dad proud with the piece of meat. You know, it's just like those stories that are outside that, who, who are you as a human being? Like I see you week in and week out and I cheer for you and I wear your jersey, but I have no idea what makes you tick, what makes you happy. And for me, that's what I care about. The, you know, who are they? Give them a story, give them something to root for besides when they mess up on the field. When you understand who they are as humans, you're less likely to just shit on them when they make a mistake because right. everyone's gonna make mistakes. The, the unknown, it's very dangerous. Actually, Tata Martino, he, he, I, I interviewed him. I go, why are you interviewing me on for the English side? I go, well, we want to hear what you're, what you're up to. And he's like, I, I goes, that some of us, the, the Latinos like to do it. We kind of, we don't have to, we can kind of do our job without having to face the media, which everyone wants to avoid the media. Everyone, you know, you know here they come again. They're going to stick a microphone. But that's part of the gig. So we're, we're going to put them to work, which is important as well. But we get those stories. And that's so true what you say about, when you push back the layers on someone and then they become more relatable, that's great mm -hmm. for the audience. Cause otherwise it's like, Oh, here's this guy. He's, I don't know anything about him. Yeah. He kicks the ball. Nice. But that's the limit of what I know. So it's, it's so important to, to pull those layers back. The one, the one I love is Marcelo Bielsa. You ever, I know he has that translator and he, it's just this mm -hmm. fascinating back and forth. And he kind of gives the translator grief. He goes, I didn't say that in Spanish. I yep. go, you just told me to say that. So it's it's just so charming. And I and now everyone loves Marcelo Bielsa because he's cute and cuddly with his translator and he's mm -hmm. able to convey what he wants to do. And you hear about the tactics because this guy's mm -hmm. a genius. Right. And now you hear about the tactics. That's you could be a young player wanting to be a coach. And now you have access to Marcelo Bielsa where you didn't have it before. So every club and every league should make it paramount. And whether it's not just Spanish, whether it's Portuguese or French to have if you have players that to make them accessible because it's going to make the product better and you're going to get new fans. I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. I completely agree. And letting people speak their first language allows them to open up in a different way. You know, you can see the relief on people's yes. shoulders. Like they immediately just like go down when you allow them to speak in there. Cause they're, they're nervous. You know, it's a, it's a second language. 
you know what, when I speak in Spanish, because, well, Spanish is my first language. My mom left when I was, not left, wow, that sounds like really bad. My mom didn't live <laughs> for a while. She left um, us here. So I only spoke English for a long period of time. And so I, I forget some Spanish words and I feel less confident in my Spanish, even though everyone's like, you speak perfect Spanish. I feel less confident in it. And it makes me more anxious to speak Spanish than it does to speak English. I recognize that. Same for the, in the other reverse way, you know, like they feel more comfortable and they can express themselves more clearly, more confidently and giving them that opportunity allows you to see them as humans, like inside when you have a, what is it called? A canned answer because you learn yep. this canned answer because you have to say it in English, but you don't really want to, you're never going to get anything out of these interviews. So I don't know. I appreciate that you bring that to the table. And like so many of us have that ability to and, and not only ability, okay? Like a lot of us have the ability, desire to give that voice to other speaking players, if that makes sense. And you prod them. You prod them. You ask harder questions like the candidate, you know, it's like very specific to the game or what happens, this goal that they scored. Mm-hmm. Challenge them if it's an uncomfortable situation. We got to get that because that's the good stuff. That's why we watch sports. Yeah. So I, I know there's it, it's improving. And I think with what you're doing and so many and other folks, that have a connection to the Latino audience and the Latino players, it will make this league sign. I always look at MLS because I think that's the one that could benefit the most because it has such uh, Latin participation and the fandom that they have to get is critical that they earn the bilingual Spanish speaking fans. You know, when, when I always, when I see stuff like MLS and, and Espanol, it kind of irks me a little bit because it should all be one big thing. It should be the same. And I know it's it's not realistic right now, but maybe one day we get a little bit closer to that. I look forward to it. You're from El Paso, correct? Mm -hmm. So this is the most interesting city in America right now when it comes to soccer, because, you know, a lot of people don't stop in El Paso. It's very interesting. You obviously know I've only visited a couple of times. You can see Mexico from the city. You can see the border. Mm -hmm. And it's also the hometown of Ricardo Pepe. And now his story has come out uh, an incredible story. climb to starting for the U.S. men's national team. I'm going to get your thoughts on covering the U.S. team as well. He had a chance to go to the country of his father's, Mexico, and he decided to go to the United States. He said it made his family, fulfilled his family dreams. And just hearing him say that was invigorating. And it, it made you feel proud to be an American and say, I will stand shoulder to shoulder with this guy. And if you're a guy in Minnesota or Boston, you don't have a lot in common, but you could say, okay, we're the same. I know we're very different, but we have things in common that we stand for the same flag and we're, we're both American. So in El Paso, from what I understand, soccer is bananas. So it's everyone plays. And these are the cities and there's other ones all over the country where you might. We always heard you could find this great talent and we have great talents like Jenny Chu and Ricardo <laughs> Pepe. But you can't miss this. So what what is the soccer scene like there? And do you think we're getting closer to finding those hidden talents in places that may be close to the border or significantly higher Latino populations? Oh, tough one. (laughs) Yeah. That that last part, that last part. Okay. Well, let's start with, let's start with El Paso and how, how it looks and we'll get to that one. Um, Yes. El Paso is the majority of people there are Mexican. Um, I think it's like kind of become a little more skewed to less Mexican just because we have a um, military base there. So it's a little more diverse in that sense, but 
El Paso, where I grew up, very, very Mexican. Um, I think it's like, it's over 85% for sure. Um, I used to say 90 something. And I think that was right at some point. It might've like gone down, but not <laughs> the semantics don't matter here. Sorry, guys. Um, anyways, soccer was the number one sport. Um, you think about Texas and people are like, oh, how big was American football in Texas? And I'm like, I don't know. I, all I knew was soccer. That was my community. And that's what everybody talked about, you know, that I was around. We all got together and talked about the Mexican national team. You know, that was something that Pepe had in common. So funny enough, um, the soccer community in El Paso isn't that big. You know, like we we all know of each other. We, we all go to the same fields and the same um, coaches. And yeah, we see each other at tournaments and stuff. And so there's definitely a connection between Ricardo Pepe and my family there. Eventually, you guys will all find out about it. But um, wait, you have there's a connection between the the, the Chews and the Peppies. There is. Wow. There is. You'll you'll all find out soon. Um, you got something cooking. Excellent. Can't wait. <laughs> but it's well to get to get to your point about you know what is the community like? Like soccer was the biggest thing for me growing up, and growing up in that community really shaped who I am as a person and my soccer. So I played for the Mexican national team. Living so close to Ciudad Juarez is something that like no one ever understands. Like I went to college at UNC, like completely in a different world than El Paso. <laughs> the experience that I had at UNC was a million times different than where I grew up. You know, everything was almost alien to me when I got there. Um, but when I say like, this is where I'm from, I can walk across the border in 10 minutes. Like people are like, what? Like it's, it doesn't make sense to people, but I'm like, you have to come to see, I can throw a rock to Ciudad Juarez, like to another country. Like that's how close I am. Are you throwing rocks? Um, Are you in El Paso throwing rocks? <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> um, but the river is, is thin. It's right there, you know, separating us supposedly. But most people in El Paso make that, that drive to Juarez and back daily for work. Um, or Juarez del Paso and back, you know, to work in the United States, take their money back to Juarez, vice versa, whatever it may be, everyone's family situation is different. People have family on either side of the border, go back and forth. Like, it's such a interesting community in the sense that the border is there, but it's not really there. You know, like, hmm. we don't really feel that there's a border there. Like, I feel like Ciudad Juarez is half my house too. Like, my parents, we go, I go to the doctor in Juarez. Like, really? Like, I'll, I'll be sick and I'm like, oh, fastest doctor i'll just go to the doctor like it's it's so easy it's so easy to do it i get my alterations done like we'll go we'll just if my dad wants to go have lengua we'll just go across the border better, better tacos and yeah exactly i mean and, and they have a soccer team they have a first they have a first division soccer team in Juarez now so that's big time I've gone to the games, you know, having um, clamatos at the game um, is good. We used to have, uh, what is it, indios too. So like growing up, you'd go across the border to watch a game and go back home, like all the time. Um, I watched the Mexican women's national team for the first time in my life in Ciudad Juarez. And then I dreamed of playing for Mexico. Like these are all like, that is the community we grew up in and such a USA and Mexico mix. You know, someone recently said it to me best. They said, um, El Paso is... Mexico in America like it's 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 Mexico and it's it's not exactly because Ciudad Juarez is a little bit different but it's very very similar like I feel at home in both places and I and I don't know I'm, I'm getting too into this but I just feel like no this is great Jenny this is great I feel like Ricardo Pepe coming out of El Paso will shine a light on my hometown which you know I'm lucky that 
you know, I, I, I'm in a position that I really have always dreamed of and, and Ricardo's in a great position, but there are so many people in El Paso that are so talented that don't get the same opportunity. Like, um, you know, for, for Pepe, the situation there, when we would get to the question that, that you said was, are we getting closer to finding those pockets of talent for Pepe? His story is that FC Dallas recognized that El Paso had a lot of great soccer players, which I could have told you a million years ago, El Paso has great football talent. You know, any, to be frank, anywhere where there's a Latino presence, you're going to have great soccer players because that is our life. You know, that is a different, like you, you grow up with a ball on your feet, you grow up watching. Like that's just a different culture, shall we say. So you have that aspect in El Paso, FC Dallas, recognizing that brought coaches to El Paso to like start, start teams there and pull players that were recognized back to Dallas for their academy, right? And I think that great on them. They've obviously done really well with their home system. Yeah, Dallas is not close to El Paso, so they've that yet they had to roll up their sleeves to yes. branch out. That's not an easy task to say, all right, we're going to branch out. We're going to look for players in El Paso, areas around El Paso, and they they struck gold. Who knows if he would have been discovered if they didn't do it? Is that feasible to say that or I, I think so, because I think that there's many players potentially before FC Dallas did that, that did go through the cracks and there, there will still be players that slip through the cracks, but there is talent there. Um, it's also, you know, our minimum wage and our, our average household income is very, very low compared to most parts of the United States. And when you recognize that for players to go to tournaments, for players to play, you know, for academy systems and this pay for play system that, you know, all of these things in the United States don't work in our advantage in El Paso, yeah. if you don't have the means to do things like that, you know? So people have to go there. I remember my dad being so adamant, you know, in my college search that no one, no coach is ever going to come to El Paso to come find me. No one will ever know I exist if I stay in El Paso. So what I did was I guest played for teams in Dallas, in Austin. I guest played for a team in North Carolina because those teams could go to tournaments where college coaches would be at. They're not ever. That's a lot of work, Paso. Jenny. Exactly. Well, that's a lot of work yeah, for you to fulfill everybody, your dream. Not everybody can do that. Not no. everybody can do that. You know, and I recognize that there's so much talent there. There's probably people that are better than, you know, Ricardo Pepe, no offense, or me in El Paso that will never get the chance because we are limited in that sense. So, yes, there are so many pockets, but you have to make the investment as scouts to recognize that, you know, and to care enough about the not so easy to see, like it's easy to just sit and wait for people to come to Dallas to try out, but not everybody can come to Dallas to try out. No chance. You know? No, I, uh, I'm going to give you thought on that, but I will also tell anyone who's listening to go to these, the, the, the other side of Mexico, people freak out when you hear the border, like, <gasps> you say, what's going to happen. Am I going to get, so I, I love going across the border. So I drive, I've obviously gone to Tijuana and you say Tijuana and everyone's like, Oh my God. You're going to do you're going to misbehave. And I go, no, because there's a part of Tijuana where people live. The food's great. You have a professional soccer team. You have a casino. I saw Lucha Libre. They have a Greyhound track. I love it. So I went there and had great meals. I went to Mexicali and did the same thing. And I haven't gone to Ciudad Juarez, but I'd like to. And I know you will have a wonderful experience. I think we have to get away from this perception which is just awful and the, the there's a lot of money in the border towns there's a lot of american industries that are going there and um factories etc and developing a workforce so 
the perception made from 20 years is very, very different from the reality that we have today. So check that out. And just to talk about Ricardo Pepe in general, when you you see him and you've had a chance to see him with this with the national team and he scored such important goals. Where, where do you think this story goes? How do you think it, it moves on from here? He's off to a great start, but it doesn't mean it's going to finish as well as it started. But maybe it does. Maybe he becomes this great name that wins a World Cup. You know, I obviously jump in here uh, in 2026. <laughs> but looking at the trajectory, knowing the challenges and the hurdles in his, his, his way, how do you see maybe it ending? Or going, mm. not ending, going. Right, right, right. That's interesting. I, I haven't put too much thought into it because right now we're just living in the in the beautiful moment of, of he's shining and he's from my hometown and, and I'm so proud of that. And um, but what I find in many Latino players is that the transition to other countries, specifically, you know, we'll speak to an MLS when when players transition to MLS away from their families, especially our Latin culture is very like family oriented. Um, it, it can be pretty difficult. It can be almost a shock. And, and a lot of players do have a hard time assimilating. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that that does not happen. I do want him to, to eventually leave MLS. I'm not saying, you know, January window, get the heck out of here. Like, no, I have so much respect for MLS and what it's done um, in the homegrown arena, especially. But I think that would be amazing for El Paso. Like, are you kidding me? Like, imagine this kid playing in the Bundesliga and the Premier League in Serie A, like whatever it is. I, I don't I don't have a, you know, I'm not going to imagine like I know or let you guys know that I know anything that I shouldn't know. Um, how amazing would that be for El Paso? Like just. Yeah. That, that's how Put it on the map. Gonna, that's how <laughs> minuscule I'm going to talk about. Obviously, like Mexican-Americans is a bigger, you know impact he's making you know he's making an impact in so many different ways but just think about our hometown where I can't think of the last soccer player to get out and if there was ever one you know and and make such a big impact like that that soccer community because I grew up in it and I recognize all that all that that is you know all the hard work that goes into that is not um rewarded adequately as it would be in a big money filled soccer community. It's just, it's just not, you know, Um, gosh, it would make such a huge impact. It would, it would. My belief on it is that he, it has to be the right team. And I I saw a report today where obviously Ajax is, is interested, which would be good, but they're scoring so many goals. I don't know if they're going to just throw them in there. You don't mess up something that's doing well. But eventually he would. Maybe he sits for a bit and, and develops. And it was a, it was a club in every in the, in every country. There's Bayern Munich, yeah. Dortmund, <laughs> Sampdoria in the city. Yeah. And who am I forgetting? Um, shoot, I had it written down here. There was one that was very. Uh, da, 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 da. I, there was not an English team, for for instance. But I would have been. I would have liked to certainly have that as part of the consideration. I can't remember. I wrote it down. I can't find it. But an Italy team, some German teams. Oh, Wolfsburg, another German team. So it seems like the I would say the German option seems to be the best because American players have done best there. Mm-hmm. And maybe they take better care of them. I'm, I even look at Josh Sargent and Matthew Hoppe, who were both in Germany and they've both left. And since they've left, their trajectory has taken a dip. Uh, yeah. One's in Spain, one's in England, and their game has suffered considerably. So maybe it is Germany. 
I would tend to think I, I, I would like to see whatever the German team make. I, I would if he goes to Bayern Munich, he's obviously going to get loaned somewhere, but within Germany. But, you know, the, 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 there's better treatment there, I, I would imagine. So wherever it is, I hope it's for a lot of money in the league and Ricardo Pepe's made hold, <laughs> but he gets a chance to develop. Max, this is, this is something that I, I really care about. Um, the what I have learned in speaking to the players that have made a transition to a new country is how much assistance they need and how that plays into their game, you know? And if Germany is the place that understands that these, these are kids, I mean, he's 18 years old, these are kids and they need a certain level of, Pepe has never lived on his own before. He lives with his family, you know, like um, he lived with a host family before he lived with his family. That's something that you have to take care of and, and either bring his family over as well, or have somebody that's with him as well, or have somebody teach him how to, you know, take care of a home, how to do this by yourself and all of these things. Maybe it sounds like that's like prima donna and I'm asking for too much. No, I'm not. Like, <laughs> no, I, I'm not. I'm I, can not see, like, I can see the very maternal that. side of you. Nope, it's not good enough. <laughs> you need not that. For and I'm not just saying for Peppy. I'm not just saying for Peppy. I'm saying for... For anybody who's making that transition, I mean, the Reina specific situation, like his his parents went to Germany and helped him and and they go and they visit him often and all of these things, because these are kids, these are children, they're yep. still developing, they still have maternal needs as, as we all do. And recognizing that and fulfilling that as a club um, is what will lead to success. If you don't do that, don't expect those players to perform because if your life is not in, in you know, figured out, you're not going to. And, and people see that consistently when people make that move. So you got it. The, the, it youth <laughs> has to be managed and has to be uh, cultivated yes, and babied yes. for lack of a better word. So that's very important. So it I, some clubs know how to do it better than others. And hopefully he goes to one of those. Well, people Let's don't talk about, about it though. People talk about like the, the on-field, on-field, on-field. They're not performing. They're this and that. And it's like, okay, but take a step back and recognize they just moved halfway across the world. And They've never lived alone before. And they, they you know, all of these things. And they're 18. Generation. <laughs> they're freaking 18. Like, what were you doing? <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what I was doing. 18. Nothing productive, <laughs> you know, flicking boogers and that kind of stuff or throwing rocks across the border. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm still doing that. <laughs> yes, that sounds like fun. I'll, one day I'll join you down there. We'll just toss rocks into Ciudad Juarez. I think that's a good, that's a good afternoon right there. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about covering the national team. You had another wonderful moment, I got to say. And I, I, people reached out to me about the video in Panama where you you challenged Greg Berhalter in the, the seven substitutions. And I think everybody could look at it now and say, that was a misstep. And mm -hmm. we all support Greg Berhalter. We want the U.S. to succeed. We want them to qualify for the World Cup. But this is a very delicate situation. So you challenged him and said, maybe that was... The reason is that you made seven changes, which is an obscene amount of changes. And obviously it was the worst result for the U.S. Challenging the U.S. men's national team is a lot of people reach out to me. And we're really taken by you because it's something that we don't do enough. And my I had a tactical manager last week. And we talked about this, about being real about the criticism and when there's a misstep, you do it. And I think guys like Greg, Greg Berhalter would would welcome that if they brought that criticism, they, cause that's how it is across the world. If what happened to the U S in Panama happened to Italy or Germany or France, it would be holy hell in those places. So 
Let's talk about that moment and just the covering the national team, the good days and the bad days and how you feel it's the best way to manage it. Mm. Um, you know, you said something there that like after the game, like almost like in retrospect, we all can see that seven changes probably wasn't the best idea. But when the lineups came out, I, I imagine that many U.S. men's national team fans had, had an eyebrow up. We're thinking, yep. what, are, what are we doing here? Um, I mean, that's how I felt. I saw a lineup and I was thinking, hmm. I, I'm not convinced right now, you know? But then you, and then you see and, the game and then you see, okay, what happened? We want some right, answers. Right. And I think, I think to be honest, like I haven't spoken about this moment. I just, I was kind of taken aback by the response. Like people were, I mean, supportive of me in, in speaking my opinion and stuff, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal when I did it. You know, I was just like, my job is to say what I feel, what I think after the game. And that's how I felt. And I, I do see that I was surprised that no one else brought the quote up. The quote came to my head the moment things were going bad in the game. It's ringing in my head. It's because you got smarts, head. Jenny. You got it. You knew. You knew what you your 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 guide, your mental guide, and covering the sport is improving. You're still very young and do this, but it's getting there and it's solidified. And I see the improvement where you can have a moment like that. That's that is putting in the work. So anyway, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. I just, I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking of it. I'm like, oh, people are definitely going to talk about this, you know? And then no one talked about it. And I was just like, does nobody remember this moment? Like it just happened. <laughs> it just happened. Um, and I, I really didn't expect it to be like a negative. Like I, people were like, oh yeah, you know, Jenny's calling for Greg's head. And that's like 100% not what I did. No. Like don't, no, don't, don't my words. I didn't do that at all. Um, but I think, not only is it that I challenged and I, and I expressed my disagreement with the decision made, I think it was also that I am a woman. And at times it is not very expected for us to speak in that kind of way. I feel, um, is that, is that fair or am I stretching here? No, no, no. I think it's fair. It's, I mean, to, it, it, maybe it took a woman to do that because, a lot of folks, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've I've missed some opportunities to challenge when I was covering the U.S. directly. And I, I regret it. And this was just a glowing moment. And maybe it, it, it took the wherewithal, the smarts of a woman to kind of say, all right, let's let's get there. Let's let's talk about this. That's a that's not a that's not a stretch at all. Yeah, I think I recognize that. Maybe. A lot of people have been timid about um, speaking negatively about our national team in any way, or not necessarily negatively, just like more openly than they feel they can. Um, but now that we're all covering like the world game, like we're covering Champions League and we are critical of managers to an extreme and, and we have the, we're, we're not babying, babying anything is not helping, you know, like no, we're struggling. We didn't make the last well, this is, this Thank is you. a situation. <laughs> that's, a changed, situation. that's changed everything. The man not making less work, that changes think. everything. I think that you recognize that there needs to be a change in how we cover it. Um, and basically everything, you know, like things have to be, and I'm not, I'm not saying that like people are babying the U.S. men's national team. Like I'm new to this. I was a Mexico supporter. And, and you know what? The Mexican media will crush the, yes. the team. Even if the 
team one three zero. Why did he do this? Why did they substitute Guatemoc? And I know what you mean. I go, you guys won. <laughs> exactly. What are you um, screaming so about? That moment was not me crushing Greg. I, no. Like that was normal for me. That was me. Like that's what the same way you handle Champions League uh, criticism. Right. Right. And I and I didn't. I really didn't expect people to be so like. Okay, Jenny for manager now. I'm like, whoa, guys, how did this get so out of hand? Are you gonna be the? Are you the next manager? You have no, my vote. No chance. No chance. Um, it's a but, tough job, but it should be. We should make it tough. We should make it tough because this is serious business. Qualifying for the I agree, and it's nothing against Greg. Like, I really hope that that they didn't take it in a negative way at all. I I really didn't mean to like be shitty towards anyone i just i care and i want us to be in a world cup because this is important this is freaking important for the growth of our game which is what we all care about max all we've been trying to do is grow the game in america and if we miss another world cup holy shit (laughs) exactly it ruins everything this Mm -hmm. is the most important thing for our sport that i could ever think of so we can't baby it here and i gotta say when i'm on twitter and stuff the criticism is there people are uh, the they have got what is it the the pitchforks out ready to go because because of what happened four years ago that's it if they call it the world cup it wouldn't be this way but it is this way so we've got to have real conversations but maybe it's good you know i I think that there's a negative in, in like people having their pitchforks out all the time and ready to like attack attack but people care they care. Uh, that's what that's. They care. Don't wasn't that what we've been asking for? Care about our national team. Care about the growth, and I'll, I'll take it. That's a, that's that's it, Jenny. That's it. You are a rock star, my friend. I appreciate. <laughs> I look forward to having another football conversation with you, and obviously opening some eyes to some things that we haven't seen on a regular basis. But keep up the great work and keep challenging them, wherever they might be. And uh, okay, well, before you let me go, give me your tips because you have been in this business forever. And for everyone out there also listening, covering the U.S. men's national team and covering all of these big events. I mean, you cover more than just soccer. So give me all your tips. Give us all your tips. (laughs) Right now, all of them. Um, Um, (laughs) Everyone listening probably wants to know, too. Like they're listening because they like you, Max. So hit me with it. (laughs) Some people just hate listen, though. They're like, oh, bread off this idiot, (laughs) which is great if they listen to a whole podcast of an hour or so about it. I think, yeah, just I I think questions are, are big. If you get time to have questions, make sure you ask the right ones. Make sure you ask questions that they can't get out of. So no yes or no's. Don't tilt them in a certain way. So, you know, ask exactly what you want and bring it and don't be uh, uh, worried about it. Preparation is huge. Watch as much as you can so you're prepared for when it comes back your way. Uh, I think we're in a situation where you can watch any game at the drop at, at a fingertip here and, and give it give it due diligence to leagues that you you may not open your eyes to new things just to see how it's gone because this, this sport is unlike anything else. Everyone plays it, but you can, uh, that's the common thread, but everyone does it a little bit differently. So uh, just, I like watching a lot of games and I, and I'm, I'm all about questions, Jenny. I think when we can get this opportunity, I used to ask terrible questions and there was this guy called John Sawatsky at ESPN who showed me how to ask questions. And I remember all the lessons I took his class twice. It's like a four hour seminar so it's no yes or no questions and make sure you 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 can direct that interview to where you want it and you can get the answers you want based on what you do. So 
work on your craft on that, work on your brand, do things that you can control as best. Obviously, we don't have all of that, but we live in a world now where you can do things. That's why I do this podcast, where you can kind of uh, build your brand and direct your career the way you want it. You all, we all need help, obviously, but uh, I'll think of some other things and I'll pass, I'll, I'll, I'll email them to you. Please. That you're doing, seminar, you're, take it. you're, you're on your way, but be, and be patient, be patient. Cause uh, it's a, it's um, oh, and the network. Oh, here's a good one. Here's a great tip. Yes. When you're in a room and you're starting in a career and there's people you don't know, if it's someone or if someone you do know, and it's a producer or an on-air person, go up and introduce yourself. Don't be in a room where they don't know who you are. Just introduce yourself, prepare something in a conversation wise. So you can do that. And it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. I started doing that when I was at East Pan. I'd go, hey, excuse me, my name is Max Bretos. I just started working here. I'm a big fan, whatever. Feed them a line. But don't be in a room and you don't know anyone. If they're your senior, yeah. always be the person to reach out. Uh, do some homework on them so the conversation goes a little better. But that is that is key. And you will discover that you add people to your phone and all of a sudden you have a database of folks that can help you in every which way. So there you go. Wow. Okay, guys, this has to be your favorite episode because I gave you guys all the tips from Matt. From Matt. <laughs> it's like a free, it's like a masterclass, like on uh, yeah. Facebook. <laughs> For that, we need like five stars and a, and a review because that's not yes. free. That's, that's no, it is. No, it is. It is. It isn't free. So send $9.95 Venmo me that <laughs> to Max Bretos there. And we will, uh, we'll, we'll come can back you, next week. with percent? Yes, you, you get 10%. Percent you get 10%. Okay, 10 so you get a dollar. You get a dollar per. <laughs> thanks Jenny, for having me, Max. Jenny, thanks for joining me in the business end. We'll, we'll talk soon and look for Jenny as they continue to cover the World Cup qualifiers for CBS and the Champions League. Uh, just watch a lot of CBS. Get the Paramount Plus streaming service. It's fantastic. You'll, you won't regret it.